It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Fantasy Points Podcast. I'm Scott Barrett. I'll be your host today. And my guest will be a very special guest. No exaggeration. This is my favorite podcast guest. If you ever hear me say that about anyone else, I'm lying, but I'm not a liar. So you're not going to hear me say that again. And uh, our guest today is Jim Nagy, director of the Senior Bowl. He was also a scout for four Super Bowl winning teams, six Super Bowl appearing teams. Uh, and we've had him on the show for a number of years now, and he never disappoints. Last year, he told us he didn't think, uh, just watching the tape on Traylon Burks, he didn't think that Burks was a, a frontline starter for a team with a good roster. I, I compared him to LaVisca Chenault in a sort of derogatory way, and he, he stopped me and said, no, no, no. I, I thought LaVisca Chenault's tape was considerably better. Uh, he told us he also thought, Brian Robinson's tape was better than that of Najee Harris. And he said there were people at Alabama who felt similarly last year. Uh, I told him I struggled with Damian Pierce, how my model said either he was the RB3 in the class or the RB12, uh, mostly due to volume concerns. And then he told us exactly why that was the case, why that wasn't Damian Pierce's fault, and why I should feel good about having him as my RB3, which you know all these all these takes looked looked pretty good last year. Uh, the only thing I'll say, this is a, a post-recorded intro. Uh, there were a number of technical difficulties all on my end that made things uh, pretty difficult for me. So if I sound uh, especially awkward, uh, it's a little bit that, a little bit maybe maybe nervousness. Um, we also got cut short uh, just because, uh, again, technical difficulties. Uh, so if it seems a little rushed at the end, that's why, uh, but we'll, we'll get Jim, Jim on, uh, probably after the draft to talk scheme fits and, uh, and just like last year, uh, Jim didn't disappoint. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jim Nagy. So I got to check out the senior bowl for the first time this year. You run of a, a heck of an event. The whole fantasy points crew had an absolute blast. Uh, there were a few players who stood out to me. But the player I want to talk about first is the player who first caught my eye. I went down there not knowing much about the tight end prospects other than that Luke Musgrave was a freak athlete with round one consideration. But it was Will Mallory who really popped for me. Just watching his route running, the level of explosion and athleticism in those routes, everything prior to the catch point, he looked special. Of course, he sort of underwhelmed at the catch point and everything after that, but I couldn't get past how explosive he looked in his route running. What can you tell me about Will Mallory? Yeah, well, Scott, first of all, thanks for, uh, thanks for making your way to Mobile this year, man. Um, sorry we didn't get a chance to catch up, but uh, it's a busy week, man. It's a busy week. I don't even get to see you know, some guys that are my best friends in the league. They just kind of come and go, and I'm, I'm wrapped up doing stuff. But, so thanks for coming. Uh, yeah, Will's a guy. I actually went back and watched some more of his tape yesterday. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. I mean, that's the value of the combine and, and the pro day stuff, some of the testing stuff, because as scouts, we always got to go back to the tape. And if 
if something surprises you, you got to go check your eyes. And, and with Will, I mean, being the fastest tight end at the combine, running low for, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what he was official at the combine, four five four something like that. I mean, most of the most of the teams I've spoken to are in that four five zero four five three range with Will. Um, and I went back to see, like, it, was it really there? Because I thought during Senior Bowl week, like him getting off the line. I mean, I thought he was quicker off the line um, than he was on Miami tape. But yeah, man, it shows up consistently. Um, and I'll say this, like on his, on his college tape, at least that I just watched yesterday, the dude catches the crap out of the ball at Miami. Like I don't have a single issue with his hands. Mm. Um, I mean, he, and his quarterback was consistently making him adjust, which really killed his run after catch. He makes a lot of like on the move, full speed, twisting adjustments. Um, and I think he's a really undervalued guy in this draft class, man. Like I watched him back to back with Michael Mayer yesterday from Notre Dame. And I mean, in the past game, I think Will Mallory, you know, has more upside and more talent. I mean, we've been talking in the, the draft community has been talking about Michael Mayer for like three years now. So, you know, that's the hard part for me is the narrative has been set on these players already. And I, I think I said this last year, like, you know, when you're in the NFL, you, you don't pay attention to the the quote unquote noise. You know, you, you scout players and I didn't even have social media back then. So um, it's hard once the narrative has been set on players to like finally train your eyes on them and, and really give them an unbiased eval. But I mean, to me, you know, talk, we had our, all our scouting assistants in watching the tight end stuff yesterday. And I said, you know, the difference between, I mean, Mayer was like a four, seven guy. We're talking about two tenths. That's like the difference between a a four, four receiver and a four, two receiver, or, you know, a, a four, three corner and a four, five corner. That's a big difference. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm getting long winded on you, Scott, but yeah, I think Will Mallory's an undervalued guy, man. I think he's a, he's a, he's going to, he's going to be a better more productive pro than he was a college player. Yeah. That athleticism matters. Uh, it's something that factors into my model and it's especially strong at the tight end position. I mean, look at how many tight end converts we've seen over the years who are hyper-athletic. Darren Waller, Robert Tunyon, Logan Thomas, that matters. And, and he definitely popped in a few key metrics for me. You mentioned his quarterback play. It was something like when targeting Mallory, the average, I don't know, nine yards per attempt. When targeting anyone else, it was like 5.3. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you on his upside there. Uh, the next player uh, I wanted to talk about is, is a little more obvious Tajay Spears won the practice player of the week um, and really stood out to me on tape. Uh, th this is something I struggle with uh, analytically is, is contrasting players across different levels of competition. You know, how does Christian Watson's four, three yards per route run in the FCS compare to Sky Moore in the group of five or Garrett Wilson uh, in the power five? That, that's just kind of tricky for me, but a big benefit of the senior bowl is you get to see all these guys practice against the same players and they're mostly you know, future NFL players. And lo and behold, Christian Watson was dominant. Tajay Spears was dominant at the Senior Bowl this year. Uh, so, so how high do you think the ceiling is for Tajay Spears? How does he stack up against the other running backs in this class? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, he would probably be like the third guy behind uh, Bijan Robinson and, and Jameer Gibbs. Um, you know, Tajay is a guy we, we got on pretty early the, the, the staff over there at Tulane is we're uh, kind of friends of the program. They're not too far from us, two, two hours down the road in New Orleans. And, and uh, you know, Willie Fritz has done a great job and his son, Wes Fritz, run, runs the recruiting there. And they give us a heads up that Tajay um, was going to graduate in December. He's a junior. So um, but if they graduate by December, they're, they're available to, to play in the Senior Bowl. So 
uh, we kind of knew that going into the year and uh, knew he was a good player and we knew he was a high character guy. The school really liked him. Um, but getting into the tape, man, he's one of those guys as we went through the year, like just kind of kept moving him up and up the board. And, uh, you know, I think we had four or five different guys from our staff here in Mobile that went over there and see them play live um, this fall. But, uh, you know, just the ability to create, I would say that is, you know, he might be the most elusive back um, in this year's draft. When he gets in the open field, he's one of those guys that just has incredible feel for pursuit. Um, you know, he's got home run hitter ability without like really true home run hitter speed. Now, he ran mid four fours at the pro day, ran really well, ran definitely fast enough, more than fast enough. Uh, but when he gets in the open field, man, it's just you, you, he's gone. Um, he's got such a great feel. If you can get him clean to the second level. So um, I just love guys that can create yardage on their own. It doesn't have to be blocked for him. He's got great vision natural runner, um, lateral shiftiness is might be the best in the class. Um, you know, had a bunch of Twitter, Twitter worthy highlight reel runs during senior bowl week and, and on tape for, for Tulane this fall. So yeah, man, I think he's got starter talent. Um, I do. I think he's got starter talent and, uh, you know, hopefully he goes to, goes to a spot where, where he can get on the field early. I think whoever drafts him, I think that's going to be the plan. I think you're drafting that guy to, to at least have a significant role for him his first year. Yeah, I, I think I can get a bo on board with Spears at RB3. I, I really do like him. He he crushes my model. The only question I have on Spears is the same question I had uh, on Damian Pierce last year, which you so artfully dissuaded me from, which is, can he be a bell cow? That's so important for fantasy, the ability to withstand high volume, maybe 16 carries, four targets. Uh, do you think he can be... Uh, a running back commanding that sort of volume at the next level, or are there concerns regarding his, I don't know, size or frame? Well, I think there were concerns. I mean, he's different than Damien. I mean, Damien's a much bigger back, thicker, more compact, just different body types. I think with, with Tajay, the reason I think he can is because he's incredibly tough. Um, he was the offense at Tulane this year. I mean, they, they, you know, they, they, they got good quarterback play from Pratt and, and they had a couple of decent receivers, but Tajay, the offense ran through Tajay. He's used to be in the bell cow. Um, so I think physically he's, he's got it. He, he runs bigger than, you know, whatever he showed up at here at Mobile. I think he was like just over 200 pounds, 202, something like that. Um, you know, I'm a little biased. I mean, he's, this guy's a little bit of an outlier, outlier, but I spent four years in Kansas city with Jamal Charles and not that he's Jamal, but, you know, Jamal was like a buck 95, buck 92. I mean, he was a, a slender built guy in his lower half. Um, Tajay's a thicker guy. And, and, you know, Jamal really carried the load for us in my years there. I um, mean, was a true home run hitter. So I, I, it's not a great comparison in terms of, you know, the skill set and the run style. Uh, but guys that are at that 195, 200 range, I mean, have been around backs that can do it. So um, and usually it comes down to a toughness and a ruggedness and, and uh, I think Tajay runs that way. I think he could be that guy. Yeah, like you said, hey, in college, he was the entire offense. He was withstanding high volume. And that was a that was a top 10 ranked team last year. So Spears won practice player of the week. But I, I think if I were voting, I probably would have picked Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson. He looked uncoverable. And I think the dynasty community is overlooking him because of all the injuries he had. It kind of makes him look worse analytically than I think he was. What can you tell me about Wilson? How, how high do you think he can go? And when did he first pop up on your radar? Yeah, one of my, one of my favorite guys in this class. Um, better player than I thought, than I gave him credit for. Um, there always, 
there's always a handful of guys that show up here in Mobile that are that are better than I give them credit for off tape. Um, this year, Michael being one of those guys. Um, you know, let's just let's just face it. Stanford struggled. Um, Michael's had some injury stuff. There's no doubt about that. Um, the offense struggled this year. Um, you know, got Coach Shaw let go. Um, there's that coaching turnover. Things things don't go well when you when 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 the season forces a coaching turnover. Um, so they had their issues there, but man, he, he came down here and there's so much to like, I mean, I'll, first of all, I'll start with the person like Tajay and, and Michael Wilson are two of my favorite human beings in this draft class. I mean, I get to spend a lot of time around these guys. So I, I, I kind of see that and that, that matters to me, um, football character and, and maturity. Like those are things that maybe the fantasy community overlooks cause they, they really don't know it. Um, you know, you got to be mature. You got to be able to hit the ground running to have an impact in fantasy from day one. And, and uh, Tajay and Michael Wilson both are. Michael Wilson's like an adult. Like you, you talk to Michael Wilson, it's like talking to a 35 year old man that's got a wife and kids. I mean, he's so he's squared away off the field. There's going to be no reservation there. We knew about that. We, um, we always put a red star on guys on our board, on their board tag when they're like the overwhelming favorite guy in the program of all the coaches. Mm. And that was Michael Wilson this year at Stanford. So, you know, he comes down here, he's, he's whatever, 6'1 and change, he's 210 pounds. Uh, his, relief, his release package is off the charts. He's got, he's got some shake and quickness to him at the line of scrimmage. He's big, big he's strong. Um, he's one guy that carries his pads well. He certainly, he plays faster than he times. Whatever he timed at Indy, four fives, I think he was in the four fives. Um, you put on the senior bowl tape and he's getting deep on guys that ran four, three at Indy. So that's more important to me. Like how fast he plays. He's just a really, we, we, we knew he was polished. Um, we knew he had great hands and he was kind of a pro ready guy from the skill set perspective where I was off was I, I just thought the, you know, I thought he was going to be like a, a good three or a good four in the, the league. Um, but now they got down here. He looked like a legitimate number two receiver, um, at the next level. So if he stays healthy, I think that's what it'll be. Um, I, I think he's more than talented enough to be a, a really good number two receiver, but what it remains to be seen, but like off the, the, off the field stuff, Scott, and I've told some teams about this when they've called about him. Um, I kind of feel the same way about him that I felt about Terry McLaurin when Terry McLaurin was down here just from a, a maturity and just, you know, having his stuff together, um, and being ready to be a pro. Um, he reminds me a lot of Terry that way. You mentioned uh, the red star you put on high character players. Uh, and I think this is an interesting interview for me because I feel like there's a non-zero chance I'm talking to a future NFL GM. So, so I'm just curious, if, if you were an NFL GM, how important is character, is leadership, whether or not these players were captains? And then how important to you is, is athleticism? Uh, how, how much do you gravitate towards upside? What matters to you? Yeah, both those things are, are right at the top. And, it, and it, it's a lot of my background. Um, you know, I was lucky, man. I was, I was, with, I was with a lot of good teams. I, I was really fortunate. I went to six Super Bowls in 18 years and, and uh, in different models. Uh, my first job out of college was with the Green Bay Packers. So I was around that Brett Favre, Reggie White team in 1996. Um, and the you know, around that locker room and then in New England for the run there in the early 2000s. And, you know, just saw the Teddy Brewskis and the Rodney Harrisons and the Willie McGinnis and and the leadership there and how important that was. And then to go to Seattle and, and really we were a traits based drafting team and personnel team. So the physical stuff, the 
the the frame, um, you know, the athleticism, all that stuff is very important. But back to character, I mean, it, it, scouts break it down into two two ways. It's the football character and the personal character. And to me, the football character trumps the personal character. Now, uh, you know, you don't need a bunch of choir boys on your football team. You don't want a bunch of criminals either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I've been around a lot of great football players that were probably – you know, C personal character, C D football person personal character, but we're a football character, and those guys end up being great players. I mean, if football is important, truly important, and they're really competitive, and they love it, and they want to be around it, and they hold other people to a high standard, um, man, that's that's paramount. I mean, you can't. To me, you can't. It's got to be a non-negotiable. Like the football character piece. You look at the teams that really did a good job drafting last year. Um, even flipping it back to my old team, the Seahawks. I mean, they Pete Carroll's on the record saying that they were non-negotiable. They didn't they didn't budge on the character, the football character last year. And I feel like that's why they nailed their draft. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, man, I'm getting long-winded on you again. But um, football character and guys that really love it and really want to compete. Um, that's important. And I think that I think I show that over the course of Senior Bowl week. I think you see. I think it shows up during the practice week. I think it's showing up more and more like what guys stick it out and, and play their ass off in the game. Um, you know, like we had a player this year, DeMarco Hellums. He's not a fantasy guy he's on the defensive side of the ball. He's a safety from Alabama. He got diagnosed with a, with a, with an injury that was going to keep him out the rest of the week um, on Wednesday. And he found me in the hotel and he was in tears, Scott, like this dude mm-hmm. was, this dude was like borderline bawling, like weeping. And uh, because he wanted to play in the game so bad. Mm. So I asked him, I gave him a hug. I'm like, DeMarco, can I share this story with, with teams? They need to know this. Like they mm. need to know how much you're hurting right now. Cause they need to, they, cause that just shows how much football matters to you. And, and, uh, and I've shared that story with teams, man, they need to know that stuff. So yeah, man, I'm getting, I'm getting long on you again, but, but, but football character is, is it, it's probably the most critical piece. Let's let's stick with this theme for a moment. Let's say you're uh, a scout for the Texans or the Seahawks. Who who are the one or two or three guys you are literally pounding the table for if you're in that draft room? Well, we've we've touched. I mean, Michael Wilson, uh, you know, Tajay. I mean, Tajay Spears' agent called me on Friday, and I appreciate this agent because he didn't come up with some BS injury. He just said, Jim, listen, Tajay was practice player of the week. He, he balled out like I don't want him to play in the game. Um, and and I, I really like the agent a lot. And we've got a good relationship. I wasn't happy, obviously. Mm. Um, and then Tajay calls me Saturday morning and he said, Jim, I, I know what my agents is, is telling you, but I'm playing in this game. So <sighs> uh, like he's, you know, to me, he's that guy. I think Sidney Brown from Illinois, the safety, who's kind of been a fast riser since the senior bowl and blew up the combine. I mean, Sydney's Sydney and his brother Chase, for that matter, both of them, the Brown brothers, man, they are mm. they are cut from a different cloth. I mean, those two dudes are 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 special, special people. I mean, you they are gonna be future captains. They are gonna be pillars in a locker room. So um those guys stick out. But man, we had we had so many good dudes um in this year's game. I mean, those those guys, those guys are kind of like sticking out in my head right now, but but we had a lot of guys. If I if I had the if I were lucky enough to to run a team, I mean there there'd be a bunch of these guys from this game I'd want to bring with me. So we talked about uh, Tajay Spears, Michael Wilson. Uh, who are a few other Senior Bowl players who have really seen their uh, stock rise dramatically following the Senior Bowl? 
Yeah, if we're if we're staying in like the fantasy vein, man, from like the offensive skill positions, I would say uh, I'd say Tank Dell, the receiver from Houston, um, has really helped himself quite a bit. He had a couple really good days of practice before he injured an ankle, but you know, Tank's whatever he is, he's five nine and change. He's one hundred and sixty six pounds, and um, but the biggest thing is he plays bigger than that. Um, he's got substance. He doesn't get knocked around. Um, I think he's the best route runner in this class. I think he's truly dynamic. I think he's got starting punt returner ability. Uh, I think he's going to be a dang good slot for somebody. And uh, that's one position I've been fortunate to be around some, some really good ones, whether that's Troy Brown, Wes Welker, um, Dexter McCluster, Doug Baldwin, um, been around some really good ones. And I think, I think tank's going to be a really good player. Uh, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss is a guy that uh, I put a tweet out a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And, um, he's a guy that's getting a lot of buzz right now within the league. I think the league's got him higher than, than, uh, kind of the, the social media world. And, and, uh, you know, as he's just, you, you can't find guys that are six two, 220 pounds with feet like that, that can get in and out of cuts and, and, uh, and make the plays he makes. Um, uh, you know, I think that, uh, he could have been more productive. I think they kind of went away from him at Ole Miss this year. Once teams started to really target in on him, I think Ole Miss started to go towards, um, you know, our guy in the uh, Malik Heath on the other side. Uh, but Mingo's a guy that, man, you're comparing a lot of these guys that are like being comped as first round picks right now are like a buck 75 or, you know, five, nine, five, eight. I mean, John Mingo's to six, two, two twenties, 40, 50 pounds heavier than these guys. And um, I don't care what anyone says. It's a big man's game. Now I'm kind of talking out both sides of my mouth. I, you know, I think tank's going to be a good slot. I just think Mingo um, from like a size speed perspective, he crushed the combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think there's a ton there. And then you look at the guys like DK and, and AJ Brown, guys that have transitioned out of that program and done a good job, makes you feel good about it. Um, you know, and then the running back spot. I mean, we, we had a bunch of guys have a good week down here on the running back side. Um, Chase Brown, I brought up, I thought, um, I thought Kenny McIntosh from Georgia did some really good things. Um, you know, in the tight end group, you brought up Will Mallory, I thought Luke Musgrave had some moments down the, down the seam. Cam Latu from Alabama had a good week. So, um, yeah, man, we could, we could go, we could go down the roster if you wanted and talk about all these guys, but, but yeah, in terms of like the big movers, I think Tank Dell, I think Michael Wilson, I think Jaden Reed from Michigan state. I don't see a very dissimilar player to, to like Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. I think, I think Jaden Reed, if I had the choice of Jaden Reed in the third round or, or, you know, one of those other guys in the late first or early second, I think I'd go Jaden Reed. I think I'd address another position in the late first or early second, knowing I could probably get Jaden Reed in the third. Um, you know, he showed up really well and, and got the attention of the NFL. So uh, that's just a few of the guys, man. But uh, that's probably a small handful of guys that helped themselves the most. Yeah. So sticking with uh, Mingo and, and Tank Dell, those are, I mean, Dell with the the outlier size, but it is a really uniquely small and thin class. Uh, Mingo, another player who was hurt by injuries. I think he had three straight 100-yard games before he had to take uh, seven weeks off in uh, 2021. Uh, but those are both older prospects. And as such, the dynasty community is, is really sleeping on it. They just totally write off older, especially wide receivers. And, and breakout age... Uh, being dominant at a young age is important. It is predictive analytically. It's sort of like, you know, a 19 year old male is at a physical disadvantage versus a 21 year old cornerback. And the ability to dominate despite that handicap is, is indicative of surplus in talent, just like, you know, 
gaining 800 yards with an arm tied behind your back. But that said, I, I do think it is seriously being overrated by the fantasy community, especially in the NIL era, or when Chris Olave, Devonta Smith, Travis Etienne simply wouldn't settle for a round two grade. I know you've been uh, particularly vocal about this, so I, I would like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, the age thing used to scare teams a lot more than it does right now. Um, you know, these guys are, I don't care what position it is, and whether it's the TB12 effect, whatever you want to call it, all these guys are, uh, you know, just the advent of sports science within the last 10 to 15 years. These players are all taking way better care of themselves, both at the college level and the pro level, whether it's like sleep monitoring, nutrition. I mean, it's not even close to what it was. Like I said, like 10 or 15 years ago um, at both levels. So these guys are playing longer, um, you know, so you're adding years out of the end of your career. I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I mean, we all felt like guys were on the downside of their careers when they hit their late 20s, like 28, 29, 30. And then they were hanging them up in their early 30s. Well, that's not the case anymore. Um, guys, so so I, I don't think there's that fear. I think guys are retiring earlier, too. Like I've talked to some GMs about that. Like the goal is, if, man, if we can get two contracts out of this guy, and some positions like running back, if they can get one contract out, they feel fine about it. So, um, yeah, you might be, you know, if you got an older prospect, um, you might be, you might be having, you know, shaving some years up the front of the career. But I think they're all adding a couple, two or three, four years to the back end of their career. So um, that's just kind of the way, way I see it. We're, we're shifting a little bit. I think we all have to kind of change our models up a little bit. Um, and, you know, through the through the COVID the extra COVID year, the NIL stuff, keeping guys in school because they're getting more money in their pockets. They don't feel the need to jump and make a bad decision maybe to leave early. Um, I think we all we all need to tweak it a little bit and uh, give it a fresh look. So you're you're one of the best follows on Twitter and you're an absolute must follow if you're a, a Debbie player. Put the notifications on. Uh, I've listened to about a dozen of your interviews this offseason. Uh, so I, I don't want you to repeat yourself too much, but I also think this is now a, a, a pretty well-timed interview because I know you've been looking at some junior tape recently. Uh, who among the, the juniors really stood out to you and who were some players who didn't? Uh, I hate, you know, Scott, this is a the tough one for me, man, because like these, I'm so, I'm, I'm in this thing. Um, with the agent community, man. So I don't want to like bag on any players because um, I got to get guys in the senior bowl in it, you know, for the, in the, in the, in the near future here. But uh, I understand that you did give us some amazing, uh, amazing takes last year, uh, but you're going to have to listen to that for the folks at home. They can, they can pull that back up. Yeah. I'll say some guys that are, that are interesting. I um, mean, that's the, 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 the weird part for me, Scott, like I said, like when you're in the, when you're a scout, you block out all the noise and you don't really pay attention to it. Well, I don't have a choice anymore. Like I have to be on social media and I, I do see things and it's always interesting this time of year when I get to focus on the juniors, like how there's such a narrative on some of these guys being like slam dunk first round picks. I think there's this assumption that if a player comes out early, he's automatically like an elite guy and or an early round guy. And that's just, I mean, all you got to do is look at back at every single draft and you look at the guy, I mean, the guys that bust. So um, no, I look like looking at the tight ends yesterday. I thought Darnell Washington is a really interesting case study. Um, he, he's so dang big, man. I mean, he's so big that, you know, when he, when they play him attached to the line of scrimmage, he, he they look like they're in a jumbo set. They look like they're, they're playing with a third tackle. That's how big he is. Like there's no difference size wise between he and, and, uh, Broderick Jones and, and Warren McClendon, the tackles at Georgia. So, um, I think that, 
you watch him, I think from a technique standpoint, both as a receiver and a blocker, like he's got some rawness to him. I think he's been able to get away with some things his whole life because he's just been so much bigger and stronger and, and more athletic than people. So I don't know like what year one is going to look like. Honestly, like there might be some rough patches there. We talked about it in the office yesterday uh, because I think he's going to have to become more technique reliant, but man, the size is overwhelming. The ceiling is, it's got a really high ceiling. You just can't, you can't find these guys. I mean, we, we used to talk about it in New England about guys that don't grow on trees. I mean, this guy is a, is a uniquely huge, long human being. Um, and he's not using all his tools yet. Like you see him come off the line of scrimmage. Like he doesn't come off the line of scrimmage, like a guy that ran a one, five, seven, 10 yard time. He doesn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't always run the seam like a guy that ran in the four sixes. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some untapped ability that you're not seeing on tape right now that I think he'll he'll unlock at some point. But, uh, you know, I think he should go in the first round. I, I just like if I'm a fantasy player, I, I, I might wait till year two, year three, because that's when I think you're going to see the best Arnold Washington. I hope he goes to a city where the fan base isn't on him and thinking, you know, because everyone wants their first round picks to come out of the gates and be great players. I don't know if he'll be that guy year one, but I certainly think he could be that guy year two, year three, like. It's 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 fun to think about, you know, what this guy could develop into. So he was a fun one to watch, man. I think Michael Mayer is a guy that we've been talking about for like three years. And I think he's a solid player. I think he'll be a solid pro. I think he'll be a solid starter. Um, I, I don't he's more of a smooth and twitchy athlete. I worry a little bit about his ability to get open. Um, I think you saw some of the average test numbers show up on the tape. Um you know, he's not dominant in either phase. He's kind of a, you know, he's, he's a combo tight end, but he's not like great in either phase, but he's ready to play. I think, you know, like he's a guy kind of a, a high floor, lower ceiling player that, uh, that again has been pumped up and hyped up so much over the course of his career that, you know, now I'm watching the tape. I thought I would see a little more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a good player cat really catches it. Well, man, I mean, really has really nice hands. But if you're if you're looking for like at the tight end position, a higher ceiling out of the gate receiver, I think it's Dalton Kincaid. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking for guys that eventually could hit in the pass game and, and be more, would be Will Mallory, would be would be a guy like Luke Musgrave because he can run so well. I mean, Musgrave's got to clean his hands up because there's too many drops, but um, but he can really roll. Um, I mean, the athlete is there. So um, you know, it's a good tight end class, man. Uh, and we can, we can get into some of the, some of the receivers and backs too, but, um, I kind of just started there with tight ends, but if you want to hit me with wide out and running back questions, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I wonder if it wasn't a mistake that you, you did lead up with tight ends, because what I'm seeing with my models is this is a really good tight end class. It's a really underwhelming wide receiver class, at least for me or from a fantasy perspective after Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, and then the running back class is very deep, but I'm not seeing many true bell cows, which is what what's really important in fantasy. But yeah, let's let's spend some time on some of these uh, these junior wide receiver prospects. Um, what did you think about Jackson Smith and Jake Ben? All the wide receivers being mocked after him. He's he's uh, kind of unique, right? And like, is he like the best slot wide receiver prospect of all time? It's it's not typical. You see him uh, a slot ranked as the wide receiver one. Yeah, I don't know if he's the best of all time, but I, I do think he's the best one in this class. He's he's a really fluid player. Season can play on the move, can adjust, can get open. Um, really natural catcher of the football. Some of the catch stuff, some of the catch point stuff, um, like him 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 adjusting on the move, um, especially on high balls and just timing up. 
leaving his feet and hitting the ground running. Um, there's some really cool stuff there. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's, you know, again, he's not an off the charts traits guy. Um, you know, he's, he's a low four or five guy and, you know, there's, he's not like a wow, you athlete. He's just, a, he's a really good football player. Um, really good receiver, really, we used to call him classy receivers. He's, he's, he's got some class to him. So, so yeah, he's, yeah, to me, he's the best one. He's got the least holes. Um, I agree with you and all that stuff though. I think the receiver class is a little underwhelming. I think really the, you're, you're going to hit on some guys and on, on day two and early day three, more so than, you know, some of these guys that we're, we're talking about late one. I think, I think there's some better players down the line a little bit. Um, some of these guys and, and I'm with you on the running back class. I don't know if there's, you know, outside of Bijan, who I think is special, um, I think he's one of the top two or three most talented players in this draft. You know, I think you're 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 talking about a bunch of contributors, rotating guys, guys that could be productive. But like, are are there any like Pro Bowl level, All Pro level guys in this draft? Probably not. So yeah, I kind of see it the same. But we can uh, just you hit me up with any names at the wide receiver spot, and we can uh, we can go through them. All right, I, I get a name for you. Uh, Probably my hot, hottest take of the, the offseason. Feel free to just douse it in cold water. But uh, analytically speaking, Marvin Mims has the second best analytical profile of any wide receiver in this class. I'm sure there's holes. I'm struggling to see it analytically. Have you watched Mims? Do you, do you have a, a strong stance there? And again, feel free to disagree with it. Yeah, I, I haven't watched him in a while. I need to revisit Marvin. Uh, it's funny you asked me about that guy. We we had him on the board for a little bit this fall. Um, there was, there was uh, one of our guys at Oklahoma was telling us that he thought he had a chance to graduate in December. So we started doing some work early in the year. Then we had a scout go through Norman um, around midseason, and we got word that he wasn't going to graduate. So we kind of, we took him off the board and didn't do any more work. So started to do some stuff. Um, yeah, a good receiver, man. Ball skills. I mean, that's what, that, what stood out to me was just athletic on the ball. Um, plays bigger than his size, can separate, um, did some cool things after the catch. So I, I probably have to dig deeper to like really get specific on you, but, but no, we liked what we saw when we were watching him early. Well, maybe you can help me break some ties. I'll, I'll give you two uh, at the top two, two juniors, Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison, and then two senior bowl guys, uh, Rasheed Rice, who had that one big year coming late. And then Xavier Hutchinson, who had steady linear improvements and was really solid uh, his three years at Iowa State. Yeah, Quinton Johnson, to me, um, I struggle with a little bit. Um, to me, he's a bigger guy that doesn't play particularly big. Um, right. I don't, I don't think he's a natural catcher. Um, way more drops on tape than I would have anticipated. Um, the one thing he does have, um, when you see the run after catch, it's usually all the same play. It's him catching the ball on the move, sticking his foot in the ground, and then reversing course. Um, like he's got, he's he's got that, you know, hit the break, stop on a dime, let the corner over on the play, and work back across him. Um, that's how he doesn't square anyone up and shake them. He doesn't, you know, like it's really it's it's the same kind of thing. And then you know a lot of the drops come in the middle of the field, um, so that that worries me a little bit. You know, like he's not. A, he doesn't extend outside his frame, so he doesn't play like a really big target. He's not an overly physical guy. Um, so I struggle there. Um, I struggle seeing a guy that, you know, is going to be a – again, you're drafting a guy in the first round. He better be a borderline number one receiver at the next level. Um, I don't know if I see that kind of talent. Jordan Addison, I think, is a nice football player. I, I don't know about the ceiling. Um, I think he kind of is what he is, which is a good, solid football player. I think he's a – you know, could be a, an average two to a good three in the league. 
Um, again, I don't, I don't see a first round player, um, but good route runner has nice feel good, you know, reliable hands. Um, I just don't see a dynamic for a guy that size, a 175 pound guy. I don't see a, a dynamic playmaker. Um, so I struggle to put a guy that size up there that he's not, whereas at least I know tank in my mind, tank Dell is a dynamic playmaker. Mm-hmm. Like you got a, you got a guy that can, that can really turn people inside out and has juice to juice to make big plays. I didn't, I didn't see that with, with Jordan Addison per se. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, um, really good. One of the best possession receivers in this class. Again, he's, he's a short to intermediate guy. Um, he was the offense at Iowa state. I thought it was really impressive how productive he was able, even though everyone was, you know, concentrating him, he was the pass game there. Um, but, but gets in out of breaks well for a six, one guy, 200 pound guy. Um, he can run routes. He's just, that's what he's going to be. I think he could be a, a 60, 70 catch guy. Um, but you know, he's not, he's not a big play guy. Um, but he's going to be a QB friendly guy that you can, you can put the ball up to. He's going to make, make contested plays. And then, uh, so I think, you know, he could be a, a nice three or a four in the league. And, and yeah, Rashid's, uh, you know, it, it's funny to see, like he was getting bagged on early in the process, like coming out of senior bowl, I saw some, a lot of snarky stuff about, <laughs> about Rashid. Um, and again, I think that he ended up testing a lot better than people were giving him credit for. Um, you know, I'll say this, like he, he's got a really nice catch radius. There's been a, a good little lineage of guys. We had a lot of SMU um, a lot of SMU skill guys in the senior bowl over the years, whether that's like Danny Gray or mm-hmm. James Prochet or Grant Kelsaterra, or, I mean, I mean, God, we've been just a bunch of them. We've had a bunch of those guys out of there, but, uh, but good at the catch point. Um, again, he's the guy as a quarterback. You feel good putting the ball up too, cause he's going to go up and snatch it. Um, physical for his size, um, you know, uh, more explosive than you, than you maybe give him credit for. Um, you know, he didn't show up at the senior bowl quite like I thought he might. I'll say that. Um, thought he thought he might have showed up a little more in the one-on-one periods than he did. But uh, but the tape in the fall was 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 good tape. I mean, he was one of our highest graded receivers in the fall um, and a good player. But again, I think he's he's more of a more of a three in the league. Um, you know, that's just how scouts project guys. You know, is like what's he what's he gonna what role is he gonna fit? Um, I think he's got a chance to be a good three for somebody, maybe a two um, over time. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. Uh, just just thanks again. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll do this again sometime soon. Yeah, Scott, anytime, man. Hit me up. I love, uh, love talking. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.